Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. All only have so much time on this earth and therefore only so much time to tell people what we really think. Sometimes, though, circumstances don't permit that, which is where Bill Edgar comes in. He offers a range of services to people who are about to die, from removing objects they might not want others to know about to turning up at the funeral and revealing some hard truths. Afternoon, Bill. Good afternoon. Now, as I understand it, you were uh, working as a private investigator before you kind of branched out into being a coffin confessor. So tell us about your, your, your first case. Well, my very first case came about when I told a dying man and uh, jokingly I told him that I'd crash his funeral for him and he took me up on the offer. Right. And, and why did he want you to crash his funeral? Well, we'd been talking about death, the afterlife and things like that, and I suggested he do a eulogy for his funeral, but he said that his family may not play the eulogy after they uh, watch it. So uh, I suggested I crash his funeral because he wanted his best mate outed while he was doing the eulogy and uh, let everybody know that his best mate wasn't his best mate. He was trying to uh, get onto his wife while he was on his deathbed. God, and did, like, did he have proof of this? Did he, how did he know that was happening? Well, yeah, the man was on his deathbed at his own home, so he could see his mate come in and uh, pat his wife on the bottom and, and do a few things around the house. And so I set up cameras to actually catch this to make sure that the facts were, were true. Um, but the man also asked me to remove three people from the funeral that were family members that he hadn't been in 30 years, and he called them vultures, and he said, why were they there paying their respects when I'm dead when they could have seen me when I was alive? Yeah. Uh, and so you, you, when you went and did this, uh, uh, was it a letter you read out? Yeah, so what I do is I sit, sit with my clients and they write out exactly what they want said at the funeral and what time I'm to interrupt the funeral. Um, and obviously I go and I, I sit with uh, family and friends uh, with one of them, you know, as a, as a mourner. And um, at a specific time, I'll stand up, interrupt the service and say, excuse me, my name's Bill Edgar. I am the coffin confessor. Sit down, shut up or bugger off. The person in the coffin's got something to say. What was the reaction when you first did that? Shock. Uh, everyone was in shock because they didn't know what was going on. But I, I learned very quickly to get the crowd on my side. And by doing that, um, they let me go, which was really cool. So... And basically everybody there wanted to hear exactly what their loved one left unsaid. And it's a beautiful thing for them to be able to actually have a voice, finally. Yeah. And the best friend, how did he react on on, on that first case? Oh, he slithered out really quickly. So, you know, during his crocodile tears and his eulogy, I'd stand up, interrupt and say to him, you know, sit down, shut up or bugger off, you know. Uh, Graham, who's laying in the coffin, uh, has got this, and I'll open the envelope and I'll read aloud what it was. And, uh, you know, it, he didn't take it too well, but at the same time, everybody was stunned. But at, the, but at the same time, you know, those that truly loved Graham and knew, they knew what was going on. They knew that Brian wasn't Graham's best mate and he was a, he was a dog, really. Right. So is, is that mainly what you do, Bill, or are there kind of other sorts of services around this? Oh, no, it's branched out into a, a few other services now. So I go to homes and I sweep homes, which means I clean them from uh, head to toe, make sure that there's items there that can be removed. Uh, my, my clients don't want their family and friends to find certain items at home. And it could be drugs, money, lingerie, sex toys, anything like that. You did have a, a client who had a sex dungeon. Yes, I did. An 88-year-old man that was <laughs> petrified of his son's 
uh, going to his house and finding these items. Uh, my client had a fall and was told that he wouldn't be going back home. Um, he went to palliative care, and uh, yeah, he was just he was mortified and petrified that his son could find this. So he engaged me to go there, and I cleaned everything out for him. Um, I video it, I incinerate it, I take it back to my client, I show him, and he was very happy with that service. So that that led to other services within within the industry now, where I actually go to viewings and I place items in the coffins on behalf of the deceased. Right. What kinds of items? Well, the most common item, believe it or not, is the mobile phone. Everybody wants to take their phone with them. Um, and it's either because they think they're going to wake up later on or, or you know, it's just something they don't want to leave behind. It could be the browser history. Um, but then I do have clients that have actually asked me to pinprick the body because they're petrified about being buried or cremated alive. Ah. And they want to make sure that they are dead. Right. And and also, like, are they specific about how they want to be buried if they're to be buried? Oh, absolutely. You have certain people that say they um they want to be buried upside down or, or vertically, or, or other people want to be uh, cremated but with a perfect box, you know. And and it's it's crazy some of the uh, yeah you know, requests I get. But look, I, I try to fulfil all the requests as much as I can, and they're coming from around the world now. So yeah, it's great. And there was one one person who wanted to be um, uh, wanted you to sneak in beforehand, strip them naked, and and kind of turn them over. Yeah. So a gentleman asked me to uh, go to the viewing, um, strip his body naked, yes, flip him over, and right, kiss this across his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think you call it Pogue Mahone over there, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you got it in one there. The, God, a lot of this though, you kind of the the do you are, do you see people at their worst to an extent that when somebody dies, the kind of vultures come around. Well, definitely the family members. I mean, look, I, I do a range of funerals. It's good, bad, funny, and sad that I do, but it's very sad to see the family react the way they do. And in some cases, I've had to do will readings and bust in on the will reading and and make sure that the people know that their loved one heard them fighting about who was getting the house, the car, the jewellery, the money, before they're even dead. And, and it's disgusting, but it's a good uh, slap in the face and a bit of a mic drop when you uh, crash a wheel reading and you tell everybody there that they're getting nothing. Yeah. Does it ever happen that when you do this that people perhaps have a moment to think about well how they've acted and then realise that perhaps they could have acted better? I have no idea what happens because what I do is when I've, when I attend the service and I say what I have to say, I put the letter back in the envelope and I place it on the coffin and I walk out. So I don't know if the funeral continues. I don't know if there's a big fight. I have no idea. I, I just leave. So if there's any remorse or regret or anything, I hope there is among some of the mourners. But at the end of the day, I don't stay and, and, you know, and hang around. I don't have the tea and cake or anything like that. So <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and has it, because, I mean, you've, you've written a book, they're going to make a movie of it, you have a bit of a profile now. Has that presented any difficulties for you that people might recognise you if you turn up at a funeral? I thought it might, but I think it's better because I turn up and... You know, people that are going to be outed, I think they leave before I even start. So it's not a bad thing, really. <laughs> Probably makes your job a bit easier. Could I also ask you about your own background? Because from from what I've read, growing up, you kind of had it tough. Yeah, it wasn't a uh, wasn't a good upbringing at all. I mean, uh, 
My father's from Belfast. His, his father's from Belfast. The whole family on that side are from, from Ireland. Um, unfortunately, they all died quite young when they come over to Australia. Mm. Um, and uh, I was in care of just a mother and, uh, who was an alcoholic and, and a gambler. And Yeah, I, look, I've gone through the uh, sexual, physical and mental abuse since I was seven years of age, both at home and at school, um, in and out of jail when I was a youth. Um, so yeah, I struggled, but at the same time, I never let it uh, rule my life, and I never let that be an excuse for who I was going to be and what I was going to be. Yeah, because I, I read that if this is true or not that you, you you attended a school because you managed to you know acquire a uniform and you weren't actually enrolled in the school. <laughs> yeah, that's how I met my wife. Uh, I've got to say, I was I was a street kid, so I was wandering the streets and I stole a school uniform off a clothesline and attended the nearby school. I walked into that school and asked a group of kids what, you know, where year 11 was, and they told me. So I went into a classroom, introduced myself to the teacher, who gave me a seat at the back of the class, and um, a young girl there told her friend that one day she was going to marry me, and we've been together for, what, 38 years now. Oh, my gosh. That's a, that's extraordinary. Yeah. Doing what you do oh, now, saved me. yeah. Doing what you do now is that kind of informed to a certain extent by your own upbringing, because you know you you were hard done by, to put it mildly, and now you're helping people who also feel somewhat hard done by. Yeah, I think so. I think all my life I've stood up for the underdog. You know, made sure that you know those that are being um, you know hurt or humiliated or threatened, I've always stood up for them, and I suppose that's how I became. Uh, who I am today, as well as an investigator, I made sure that uh, you know people who were wrong done by I could investigate and uncover those things. You know, it's uh, it's worked out quite well for me to, to be able to do that. But yes, it's the background that's made me the the man I am and able to do what I do, yeah. especially cra- crashing funerals. I mean, it's not for anyone, not for the faint <laughs> of heart or that, those that fear. That's for sure. And actually, you do this all over the world now. It's not just Australia. No, that's right. I was on um, uh, one show, uh, Good Morning Britain, and that one show, uh, about 35 minutes after that show, I had, I think, 47,000 requests from Britain. Wow. Um, (laughs) It was just ridiculous. And then, obviously, America and China, uh, you you name it. I get every, every morning I wake up, I have a number of emails for requests around the world. Has it made you have any thoughts about your own funeral? What kind of a funeral would you like to have? Uh, personally, I've, I, I wrote the book, The Coffin Confession. I made sure that I every secret I had in that book, and I made sure of that because I don't want uh, my family or anyone I know to come forward and, and make up BS, if you know what I mean. Mm. I'd rather put it out in the book. Um, so my funeral would be pretty bland, although I wouldn't <laughs> mind... Uh, I wouldn't mind the coffin full of fireworks before it goes in the furnace. That's an excellent idea. Uh, one secret, yeah. though. One secret you are keeping, though, is uh, who's going to play you in the movie. <laughs> yeah, look, there's been a lot of talk about different people. I've spoken to many actors, and uh, my agent in the US has, has sprouted a, a few people. Um, the last uh, person to come forward is um, uh, Marlon Wayans. Um, so... You know, it, it, it's a range of people. Yeah. Um, and it could also be a woman as well. 
So, you know, I haven't discounted someone like Margot Robbie or someone like that in Australia. Okay. All right. So I suppose we'll just have to wait and see uh, who, who they finally uh, settle upon. Uh, in the meantime, Bill's book is called The Coffin Confessor. Some last wishes don't go quietly to the grave. That was published last year. Bill Edgar, thanks a million for talking to us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Hi to all your listeners. And uh, yeah, I hope to talk to you again soon. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.